0: She was born in Soweto, in the south of Johannesburg, which is South Africa's largest township. And she loves jazz. You could even call her a bit of a jazz aficionado.
1: My name is Vesato I am a writer, archivist of mainly South African like, arts and culture.
0: She writes on heritage, public art, youth culture, township life, and of course, on jazz. Though that's actually not why we called her up.
1: But I'm also Isangoma and Enzozini. I'm known as Goko Matodi, which is my leading ancestor, Umashodi. So, with us, Wagatani, also known as Goko Mashodi. I think in this conversation, I'll definitely be speaking on my experience as Isangoma and someone who's working in the realm of spirit and intuition and things along those lines. We're talking
0: about spiritual practice in the city with traditional healer Goko Matlori to find out more about the healing power of water. This podcast is brought to you by Jojo, a proud supporter of South Africa's water activists and a proud supplier of water solutions for a better quality of life. By protecting our most precious resource, Jojo's quality products help to safeguard the well-being of people, communities and the environment and the people working tirelessly to protect it. This is For Water For Life, the podcast series that tells extraordinary stories of ordinary people and water. They've made it their mission to preserve, purify, and protect the water supply where we live, in a water scarce and unequal country called South Africa. I'm Kokule Tumflungo.
2: And I'm Sukwitlane Pamudi. Welcome.
0: So, to begin, what is Isangoma?
2: So Isangwama in isiZulu is a diviner, and indigenous or traditional healer. There are different kinds of Isangwama who come from different healing traditions and use different healing modalities. Isangwama have been called by their ancestors to diagnose through dreams and other divination technologies like throwing bones, as well as to heal, working with the ancestors. This can involve herbal medicines called imiti as well as rituals. What underpins this work, though, is the understanding that Amadlozi, who are our ancestors, are actively involved in the world of the living, holding us to high ethical standards and maintaining spiritual balance in order for us to live wholesome and productive lives. Izangwama are keepers of sacred and indigenous knowledge and must undergo training to practice their healing. In South Africa alone, it is said that there are as many as 200,000 Izangwama with many, many millions of people consulting with them for guidance, as well as addressing various problems from physical ailments through to spiritual malaise.
1: I'm trained in the Towaza Koko tradition, which brings together Amanda the, the ancestors that we often invoke through drums, through song, have histories in war, in battle, and things of that kind of nature. So it's a very specific kind of healing modality and process of invocation that we undergo, and central to it is music and song and the drum particularly.
2: Towazakoko. By greeting in this way, we are also acknowledging the presence and work of our ancestors.
0: So, second question. Why are we speaking to Isangoma about water?
1: The most obvious and common ways that we understand and water comes into the practice is through the act of cleansing, right? So obviously, as Isangoma, a lot of the work that we do has to do with Not just cleansing people, but cleansing homes, you know, cleansing spaces. And obviously, a big part of that is through the power of water. And we use different kinds of water for different kinds of cleansing. So you'll use, for instance, storm water for a particular kind of cleansing to invite particular kind of things into your life. You'll use regular tap water for a particular kind of cleansing. You'll use seawater or water from the river, you know.
2: So because the water, amanzi is alive, and because the water is a living organism that is animated by spirit, this is what is facilitating the healing function.
3: I
1: mean, I might struggle to articulate this in English, so I might do a bit of code switching, but amanzi on their own, right, particularly in natural habitats. So the ocean, rivers, Impopom, all of those kinds of things are also believed to have their own spirit. But also because we work with amandao, which is a kind of water spirit, we believe that in the waters there is spirit, right? We believe that the water, in conjunction with many other natural spaces, can be a space of dwelling for Amadoziwe too. So there's also just that to be like in the water, there is space not only for the water to be a particular kind of spirit on its own, but for other spirits to be there and to inhabit that space as well.
0: So, when we tend to visualize baptism and cleansing and spiritual practice, we think about it in the sea or a lake or a river. But what happens when you're in the city, like Johannesburg? We heard in Haneli Kutsia's episode about how parts of the city's rivers, like the Yusuke River, are concreted over or are basically being privatized when they run through luxury estates.
2: That's a good question. I asked Gogo Maslodi how the city impacts on Ubungoma and African spirituality in a city like Johannesburg.
1: I understand what spirituality looks like in the city. The problem starts with access, right? Not only access to knowledge and ideas around spirituality, but to things in nature that encourage spirituality and that encourage an indigenous approach to, to spirituality, right? So, ubungo, by the way that I have experienced it, it is a particular kind of practice, but it really is informed by something as simple as Ubuntu. It's always concerned with community. And urban spaces and a city particularly like Johannesburg that is capitalistic through and through, like this city, particularly Johannesburg, was built on the gold rush, on like commodity and economic drive and all of that. My belief is also that capitalism is in direct opposition with Ubuntu, right? Because the ethos of Ubuntu is communal, whereas capitalism is more individually driven, right? Or is more concerned with like one superior over a large number of people. So those two things start to become in conflict, right? So people are then removed from the idea of Ubuntu. People are removed from the idea of operating within a community.
2: That idea relates to the rivers and bodies of water that Izaangwama use for their healing practice.
1: And from a very basic spiritual and social place, it also comes into the way that things like rivers and lakes and... Even just like parks, the way that those things now become commodified, the way that those things, people have to fight for access to those things. And what we see in the city like ours is that certain people have access to the best of those things. Not everyone is given or afforded the best access. So, for instance, I live in Soweto. I'm a healer in Soweto, right? But the rivers that I would like to use to work are not where I am. They're not in Soweto. The rivers in Soweto are dirty, but if I go to a Craig Hall or a Treprosier or, a, you know, somewhere in a suburban areas, I'm more likely to find the place to practice and the best quality of water, of parks, of, I mean, even in meat, you know, like even... Trees, even plants that we use for healing, like they're hard to access where we are. And we have to go into what is often privatized spaces to try and gain some access to those kinds of things. Of
0: course, it's not just Izangoma who use water in their spiritual practice. Many, if not most, religions do.
1: We know that people in the apostolic faith, for instance, you know, use water a lot. Water and candles are a big part of that particular kind of healing practice. Even in terms of like in the Christian faith, like the idea of baptism, people have had to reimagine what baptism looks like. I mean, I know a church here in Soweto where they have like they've had to have like their own kind of like baptism pool on the premises, you know, because they can't go to a river, they can't go to a lake somewhere to go baptize people there. Other kinds of healers are also having to think about ways to gain access or to at least substitute, you know, what is the preferred way of working with water and with nature.
2: But culture and tradition is a living thing that adapts to changing times. During the country's coronavirus lockdown, for instance, many Zangwama consulted with their clients over video calls on their phones.
1: So I think, luckily, the practice of Mungoma is quite an innovative practice, right? So we're able to find ways to, if I can't do something this way, there's always an opportunity and there's always space to think about another way to do it. And this goes across the board with everything that we do in our practice, right? And when it comes to water, there are things like, if you can't go to the river, you can go When you have the opportunity, if you ever have the opportunity, if you go to a water source and you collect something like a stone, right, or a pebble or something of that nature from that place, and you come into your space where you don't necessarily have a river or whatever around you, you're able to use just that little source or that little component of that space of water and use regular water and charge that water with the component of the river and, you know, bring that energy into what before was considered to just be regular tap water, for instance. But then there's also the intelligence of harvesting to be like, okay, I might not always have access to this thing, right? Whether it's geographically or whatever. So when I am able to I will gather as much as I can with consideration that luckily you can almost harvest water to a much larger degree than you can something like plants, for instance, right? So even with that, you go and you get as much river water as you can. You get as much seawater as you can. And you take it from where it is to where you are. And honestly you're able to use those powers and to contain the, the energy and the power of that water and use it when you need it. And I think that also speaks to the consideration for scarcity. Ubungoma considers that things, like you know, we can't just consume things without replacing them, you know, without leaving them for other people, you know. And I think the the ways in which we harvest things, water, plants, you know, all of those kinds of things, there's always a consideration that I'm only going to take what I need.
2: Okomathodi also speaks about the importance of cleaning up after ourselves when working in or near water. Her ideas on adapting to a loss of access to water made me think of someone else we met, in Kailicha in Cape Town.
0: Yolam Kokwana, right? You read my mind because this 15-year-old climate activist is all about adaptability and finding water solutions. Like Goko Mahlodi, she lives in the Township, the black neighbourhoods that grew as a result of separate development and apartheid spatial planning. Let me read something that Goko Mahlodi wrote in her other life as a jazz-loving archivist. Vujisakla getwane. Beyond the crime, unemployment, and the lack of resources, the hood raises us for community. Many mornings, my mother would send me to one of the many houses in our streets to ask for something. Anything from 10 rand for transport to those massive enamel dishes for msebenzi. I never came back empty-handed. Our schools, like our churches, our community halls, refugee centres, spaces for expression and discovery. Neighbourhoods aren't just streams of houses along the road. Neighbourhoods are made up of stock fells freeing our mothers from debt, and they're made up of armies of fathers and brothers. Neighbourhoods are the concentration of our grandmother's prayers and the unfulfilled dreams of uncles and aunts.
2: As a young eco-warrior, one of Yola's passions is helping teach a community to grow their own vegetable gardens, a way to produce our own food and to green the dusty streets of our townships. Where she lives, there's one tap for 55 families. And the water supply is irregular at the best of times. And then along came the novel coronavirus and COVID nineteen.
3: In lockdown, you know, um, we didn't have water for a week, so it was it so was it was so difficult for us to bath, you know. And also, since I have my garden at home, so. Um I was so worried that my plants are going to die. It's it's still the same thing, you know, because um our government um closes the water twice a week.
2: Yola's vegetable garden was suffering badly.
3: What I do um, is every time that I bath, I water my my plants with that with my bathed water, so that I can like reduce water, you know, so that it cannot waste water, you know. Whenever and, and that incident happened again, I stole my bath water. Um, um, but I know that that is not good for my plants because um, what we bath with, we um those soaps um, have chemicals, so but I try even though I know the risk. Some of my plants died, but since now I have another plants, um, they are growing very well because, um, now I store water just in case for when that incident happens again, you know. But I'm still grieving for my plants that died. Yeah.
0: And then there's another story of adaptability that has inspired us this season. Johannesburg public artist Haneli Kutsia is part of a collective project called Water for the Future.
4: I went rock climbing in the... (laughs) Copies, <laughs> to look at plants and to look at how big their root systems are and realise it's actually growing in very small pockets of soil. And so she designed a pocket of soil that she called a wild wall tile. So this pocket of soil is designed on many uprooted aloes and stuff that are dug out to see what they, their natural growing sort of environment is in.
0: Each tile fits onto an upright wall.
4: So it's a dry vertical garden
0: system that can even hold medicinal plants. But this is where the adaptability comes in. Because there's a twist to Haneli's vertical healing wall. It's made out of the very stuff we pour over rivers and fields to build our cities. Concrete.
4: Yeah, I prefer to use concrete because these are already built of concrete. So to put concrete on concrete much easier. And these little pocket tiles then helps regenerate the city so you can put it on an old wall so in a sense these wild wall tiles that I've done I've worked out how do water, water don't flow in grids Um, it flows like diagonally which is why the whole system is slightly diagonal if you look at cracks in the cliffs you know it's not very often that they're horizontal and vertical. If we build things that's more conducive for how concrete works in cities, then that becomes a comfortable way to work with concrete. So instead of stressing about the cracks and that nature is going to go through it, looking at ways to work with how nature should come through it, we shouldn't keep suppressing it. Like the permeability of paving, and a smothering a sidewalk with a slab of concrete is unnecessary. We could put those permeable pavers down and grow some mint and things in between. You can hear more about
0: Yola's Township Gardens and Hanalee's Urban Water Interventions in their own episodes for For Water For Life. But for now we're heading back to the south of Joburg to Soweto for some final words from Koko Matoli.
1: So in our practice, Amarzi are very much linked to the act and the ritual of cleansing, but there's also a consideration for water as a source of sustenance you know and and as a way to grow and to encourage growth in different things including just the human body right so there's also the consideration of how water contributes to growing things like plants which are very important in our practice but also just like the clarity of mind and the clarity of the body that we're able to get really just out of drinking water like simple things and I think the beauty of our practice is that it takes very simple things and makes them acts of ritual right and Through that, the water, which is already charged with its own energy, then becomes charged with like intention and things of that nature. And that's able to like alter and to change and to enrich, you know?
2: If you charge water with purpose, your daily bath ritual can become charged with spiritual intent.
1: But like even a bath, you know, like even a bath, when you your regular day-to-day bath or shower, like observe that as a moment of cleansing. To have consideration for just how we engage water, whether it's a large body of water or literally the water that is coming out of your tap. Because even that water comes from a source of nature, right? Even that comes some way you know and i think there's much to be grateful for and to consider in a country like south africa where really water shortage is, is an issue that we are going to start having to take seriously and so in the same way that we consider hygiene in the same way we consider cleanliness and meditation on spirit to do the same with hygiene you know with our physical hygiene but so even in the morning we'll are to just be like Hey man, life is hard, something tried to take me from myself, but here I am and this is an act, you know, as mundane and as regular as it is. This is my act. And really I believe that with that intention we can charge something as simple as that as your bath water. With like intentions of cleansing and of opening yourself up to things, but really to be like This is my first sight. My body is my first sight of healing. My body is my first sight of revolution and of, you know, all of the things that I want to express in the world. I need to start here. And it starts with little things like that, like being consistent in your hygiene, being consistent in feeding your body something as important as water, you know. And I think once we're able to make those connections, around things so intimate you know things so simple then nobody needs to tell you about the power of the river nobody needs to tell you about the power of the ocean because you've already experienced the power of water in really the simplest ways and sometimes you can't even explain in words what that power is right like you just go and you sit on a riverbank and you and you just feel your spirit get lighter so i think just daily practices where you are have consideration for water you know for the way that it keeps you alive, for the way that it cleanses your body, for the way that it nourishes things, including plants, including you. Because really, like, imagine if you tried to do anything for a day without water. There's not much that you could do. And I think gratitude is also just a really big game changer when it comes to spirituality. So those of us who do have access to water, you know, I think exercise gratitude there use it sparingly have consideration for what it is where you are how you're able to access it and then just really how lucky you are and I think that's a good way to just tap a little bit deeper into your own spirituality
0: the heat power of water is something that logistics expert Georgia McTaggart also knows about.
2: Living in a Cape Town suburb with many unemployed people and a polluted river, she created a project called Help Up that cleans up Cape Town's rivers by employing the unemployed locals.
0: And in the middle of a stinky, polluted river, Georgia finds peace and purpose.
1: It's not even about the condition of the water. We are, what, 63% water and I kind of feel when I'm in there I feel it's an incredible sense of flow I have amazing ideas I'm full of laughter I'm a real bubbling book in there water it has these healing aspects and it's really special to be in that water obviously I and mean, then when you leave it's looking so lovely and everything but that's on the surface the actual you know the movement of water you know if you think you can get quite philosophical about it and go wow you know this water is been around since the beginning of water. It's all the same water. It just keeps being renewed in different ways and used in different ways. And, and that's magic.
2: But of course, you can listen to George's story in the very first episode of For Water For Life. Don't forget to rate and review us when you've listened. I'm Sigwetlanit Pamudi.
0: And I'm Guguletum Thank you for joining us for this episode. All our podcasts are available at jojo.co.saday. The series was made possible because of Jojo, For Water For Life. Find us on social media at ForWaterForLife and share your water stories using the hashtag ListenToTheWater, to the water because if you do, it can change your life. From the JoJo family to yours, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of 4Water for, for life. Whether you're looking for top-quality storage tanks, water filters, or other water solutions, JoJo has the product ideal for you. Discover our range at jojo.co.today and find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest product news and water-related content.